0: Good morning and welcome to the Sunday service of Free Community Church. Thank you so much for joining us this morning and to those of you who are watching from home, thank you for joining us as well. Now you could have been anywhere today, you could have been sleeping in, you could be just enjoying this long weekend, but you chose to be here. And so thank you so much for coming and I pray that this will be a restful time for you. Pray Maybe we'll all, you can learn something, but most of all I pray that you'll be able to connect with God. Uh, even if you're watching this video during the week, Uh, I pray that this video will uh, really uh, help you spiritually and um, build into your life. So now, uh, please take a moment to welcome each other. You can turn to your neighbor and give them a wave, give them a smile. Uh, If you're watching online, you can type into the chat, and our moderators will be there to respond to you as well. And so, as we prepare for this time of worship, please rise in body or in spirit and join me in the call to worship. Today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us us be glad glad this day for for life, for breath, and for for freedom freedom to to worship. Blessed are you who come in the name of the Lord. We We come come to bring bring our gifts of praise and gratitude gratitude to the the God of all creation. God is good, and in God's work we find our strength. We We sing sing of all God's wonderful works. Let Let us us give give thanks thanks and and praise to to the Lord. So now I invite you to remain standing, and let's join our hearts and voices together in a time of praise and worship.
1: Until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. the goodness of God I love your voice you have led me through the fire darkest night you were close like no other
2: And I have lived on the goodness Of God And all my life You have been faithful And all my the goodness of God. Your goodness is running out, it's running out to me. Your goodness is running out, it's running out to me. With my life laid down, I surrender now, I give you it's running to me
3: Please be seated. We come to a time of prayer. Two thirds of the year has gone, and we have a third left to go. Where do you find yourself today? Are you in the season of harvesting? Are you in a season of joy? Are you a season of drought and dryness? Are you in a season of storms, of despair? Perhaps you're in a season that's all mixed up with a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Rarely does life throw everything bad at us. And rarely in life, everything runs smoothly. And in this this mixture of joy and despair... of hope, of weariness. Draw near, draw near to God. On this Sabbath, rest. Rest in the presence of the One who created you. Rest in the One Who loves you beyond measure. Rest knowing the one who has been faithful all your life. God, we come to you. We know the Sabbath law commands us to rest. But too often we think rest is just stopping work and not resting in you. Resting in you, trusting that you are with us. You are with us in the mountains and you're with us when the mountains are in our way. So if we bring all of this to you and we surrender it, them all at your feet. In all the times i walked with people, there's this psalm that they ask me to read to them so many times. And it's odd that many of them who ask me to read it to them can recite it by their heart. By a, then I wonder, why are you asking me to read it to you when you, <laughs> you can recite it yourself? But it's one that comforts them, one that tells of a God who has always been faithful. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. God restores my soul. God leads me in paths of righteousness for God's name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For your rod and your staff God, You are our shepherd. You are one who cares for us. You are one who nourishes us, strengthens us, encourages us, loves us. So may we draw strength and may we remain faithful just as You are faithful to us may we not only remember You when we need You, but remember You all the time. All our prayers, all our anxieties, all that weighs us down and all we give thanks for, we lift up to You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: to the throne of mercy where would i kneel but at this cross of grace how great the love how strong
4: Good morning, and welcome to our Sunday service at FCC. So today, as we go into the sharing um, of the word, I just wanted to invite you to get onto menti.com with us. Um, Usually, we use menti.com as a way for us to interact during sermon time. We'd love to hear your input and your reflections, Um, and I think it would be quite important um, for all of us as a learning point, right? Because it's not just about what I share with you, but also a lot of what you share with all of us as well. So you can use a QR code or you can use a short link, fcc.li slash menti, and it'll lead you directly to the slides that we have for today. Okay. Will you join me in a word of prayer as we begin today? Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So as Miak mentioned previously, in this sermon series, Faithfully, we wanted to tackle some doctrines of Christianity so that we have a deeper understanding of how they came about and explore where we go from there. He said, theology is faith seeking understanding of God. And so we believe that theology has as much to do with knowledge about God as it is with our relationship with God. It's not just in the head, it's our relationship with God. So in some ways through this series, we are hoping to present you with the kind of knowledge that you might encounter in seminary, but in a more condensed and approachable way, hopefully. And our hope is not just to challenge your mind, but to encourage an expansion of your faith. And ultimately, our prayer is that you may grow deeper in your relationship with God. So this Sunday, we'll be exploring the theology of atonement together. Atonement is at the center of Christianity, right? It's one of the most important ideas in our Christian faith. So how we understand atonement directly impacts how we understand who God is and our relationship with God. So before we dive in, I wanted to ask you, what does atonement mean to you? You've probably heard this word a lot, if you grew up in church, you've been attending church for a while, and you've been told many different things about it. So, it's okay, you don't have to give a full essay on what atonement is. Just give thoughts, right? Thoughts and things that come to mind for you when you hear the word atonement. Okay. Making up for something wrong you did, yes, that's the dictionary um, definition of atonement. Repentance, reparations... At one man, wow, very good. Very good. At one month payback? I don't know. Perfectly valid answer. Thank you for being honest. Jesus paid the penalty for my sins. Yes, something that's very common that we hear a lot of when you think about atonement. Repent, correcting one mistakes. Repentance, redemption of sins. Reparation for sin, making amends. Asking for forgiveness. Yes, quite similar, right? Repentance comes out a lot. Forgiveness, amendments. Reconciliation with others and God. Okay, good. Keep that in mind. Do something to make up for something you did wrong. Yep. Payment for transgression. Covering for right standing with God. hmm. That comes in as well, right? Quite often. Punishment. Unsure. Perfectly valid. Kowtow. Mm Interesting. Redeem for our sins. Reconciliation. hmm. Knowing you're forgot, forgiven for something you've done or not done. Jesus is the Passover lamb, and that's why blood sacrifices aren't needed anymore. Yes, we hear that a lot in atonement, right? The Passover lamb is a concept from the Old Testament. Made right with God through Christ as propitiation. Wow, very good. All the big words are coming out. Very good. Clear own conscience. Uh, Jesus paid for our sins. Up, owning up to our mistakes. Mending relationships. Substitutionary payment. Yes, another big word, huh? yes. Uh, lose its meaning in this world now, mm, that too, okay? Thank you, thank you for you know, participating and sharing with me your knowledge, right, of what atonement means to you or things that you've heard about atonement. And so that's something we want to explore together today. Atonement is at the centre of our Christian faith, so, so very important. And historically, interestingly, it's also one of the most broadly defined. And so hear, you see a lot of different definitions, right? The only shared, agreed upon, consistent aspect of atonement that the Church has ever held to is this. That through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, we are made at one with God. And this is what atonement actually means. And importantly, this is all that atonement means. Some of you said it, at That was the original meaning of this word. How we are made at one with God through the cross is one of the main debates and exchanges of ideas in theology throughout history. The Christian faith is all about how we are made at one with God through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. And I just want to put it out there right at the beginning because it's important for us to get this right. Because it forms the foundation of our faith. And then we can consider all the other things later on as we go along, okay? So before we proceed, I want to begin by sharing this quote with you. Richard Ross says Jesus did not come to change God's mind about humanity, it did not need changing. Jesus came to change the mind of humanity about God and about ourselves and about where goodness and evil really lie. Okay. I just want you to keep this in mind as we go along and explore some of the atonement theories across the ages. And I say theories of atonement because there was no one doctrine around atonement that lasted throughout church history. Okay, there was no one doctrine that lasted from the beginning of the early church right up to now, and everyone says, yes, that is that one doctrine. Okay, no. In fact, theologians were constantly debating, coming up with theories about how, how are we made at one with God through Jesus Christ. So I found this um, from Peter Watts. Uh, it's Seven Atonement Theories from Church History. And I'm drawing some of the information from this site because I think Peter Watts explains the background and the theories quite clearly and simply. So for those of us who are lay people, it's like, oh, okay, at least it's easier to read, right? But don't worry, it says seven here. I won't be going through all seven because I do want to keep things succinct. I don't want people to like sending complaint uh, letters. Okay? So I'll be covering a few and focusing primarily on the one that is most familiar to all of us. Right? For the last 2,000 years, Christians have agreed that Jesus died on a cross for sin. Okay? That one we all agree. Eh? For the last 2,000 years, everyone agreed on that. What Christians have not always agreed on are the details of how this works out spiritually, practically, and theologically. In particular, they have argued and debated over how Jesus' death has atoned sin. So let me show you a broad view of the various theories, okay? One view called the Ransom Theory was quite popular quite early on in church history. And in this theory... Adherents believed that a debt was owed to Satan due to humankind's sin. Remember Adam and Eve sinned when they ate the forbidden fruit? And so they said because they sinned, they had sold themselves to Satan. So God had to use Jesus as a bargaining chip to get us back. Well, this theory didn't really last long historically because does God really need to negotiate with the devil if God is God? And using Jesus as a bargaining chip, hmm, question mark, right? And then we have the Christus victor theory, all right? And in this theory, Jesus' death was a confrontation with and victory over three big powers, the power of sin, the power of death, and the power of the devil. It was not, as with the traditional understanding of the ransom theory, a payment to the devil. It was rather a confrontation with and victory over the devil. And because Jesus was raised from the dead, the benefits of Jesus' victory and accomplishment over the powers resulted in every human being having access to freedom from the power of the devil, sin, and death. You've heard something similar to this before? Maybe, right? So that's a Christmas Victor theory. And then, they have the satisfaction theory. Do they get to eat something? Not really. In an attempt to offer a critique, to the traditional ransom theory and improve upon it. See, at that time, uh, they were critic each other, they were trying to improve on each other's theories, right? Uh, Anselm of Canterbury, who was a church theologian, he created the satisfaction theory of atonement. So Anselm's biggest critique against the commonly held ransom view at that time was that he saw problems with any suggestion that humankind owed some kind of debt to Satan, For Anselm, rather than a debt owed to Satan, he believed that we owed God something. The debt we owed, he believed, was honour to God. So understanding the historical context may be actually helpful to us, right? Anselm lived in the time of the medieval European feudalism, where the honour of one's earthly master or lord was part of the fabric of the economic hierarchy of class, of society. And so from this vantage point, that's how Anselm's atonement theory emerged. Honour is very important. So he says, humanity owed God honour. When human beings dishonoured God, they sinned against God. And their sin robbed or took away the honour that was due to God. And due to God's holiness, God can't ignore human sin. Right? But since only God could truly satisfy God's own honour... Only God could fix the problem and restore that honour to God's self. However, for God's action to apply to human beings, God had to become human. The death of Jesus, the God-human, on a cross, then restored honour back to God. And not only this, but Jesus' death brought God the Father infinite satisfaction. That's why it's called the satisfaction theory, right? Over and above what anyone could ever do. Right? So that's Anselm's theory. And then you have the moral example theory. And in this moral example theory, or the moral influence theory, the goal of Jesus' death was to influence humankind toward moral improvement. Instead of satisfying God's justice, honor, Jesus' death was designed to greatly impress humankind with a sense, the deep sense of God's love, resulting in the softening of their hearts and leading them to repentance. Repentance. Okay, so this theory was by Peter Abelard and he developed this view as a response to Anselm's satisfaction theory. So they all have that response, right, to one another. So in contrast to Anselm, who believed that the critical issue at hand was God's honour, Abelard focused instead on God's love. In particular, that God had demonstrated God's love for humanity through the death of Jesus to influence us towards a better way of living. Okay. Now, then we have the penal substitution theory, and some of you put it uh, earlier on, right? Substitution. About 400 years later, after Anselm's theory of satisfaction, the Protestant reformers like Martin Luther, John Calvin, they developed this theory. And the idea is that Jesus, by his own sacrificial choice, was punished in the place of humans, thus satisfying the demands of justice, so that God could forgive our sins. But unlike the satisfaction theory, God's honour was not the critical issue. In the penal substitution theory, the primary concern was God's holiness and justice being upheld. Because of humanity's sin, both the wrath of God, due to the breaking of God's law, and the righteousness of God, due to our moral impurity that resulted from breaking God's law, had to be satisfied. And the only thing that could satisfy God's wrath and righteousness in this view was the death of the perfect, holy God-human, Jesus Christ. And this is where the legal aspect comes to play, right? In contrast to the satisfaction view, Jesus' death was not repaying God for lost honour, but paying the penalty of death, which is what some of you said earlier, right? Jesus paid the penalty of death. And this penalty of death, the Protestant reformers believe, included his actual physical death, but further meant the bearing of humankind's sins on the cross, both of which set the believer free from the penal demands of the law. So considering the long span of church history, this viewpoint is considered relatively recent, and it draws very heavily from the lens of a courtroom, if you actually think about it. Because the system of the judicial courts was introduced around the same time. But this is a theory that became also the most popular and mainstream, at least today. Probably the most familiar to many of you. And though this theory of atonement is the most well-known and accepted among Christians today, there are some serious issues with this theory. But before I continue... I must admit that when I chose to preach on this subject today, I'm doing so with hope, but also fear and trepidation. I know that substitutionary atonement is central to many Christians' faith, and it was for me too. So I do understand, because in my own church experience, that was the main concept that was presented around the cross, And that was all I knew until I went to seminary. Even so, it took me some time to wrap my mind around the fact that substitutionary atonement is just one of the many theories regarding Jesus' life, death and resurrection. Because throughout my church life, it was always presented as the main doctrine around what the cross means. So I share this with you because I want you to know that I have struggled and grappled with this as well. So please know that my objective is not to shake your faith just for the sake of it. I'm sharing the different theories of atonement with you and presenting some of its pitfalls simply because atonement is so central to our Christian faith. How we understand atonement directly impacts how we understand God's character and our relationship with God. So even though I took up this subject with a little bit of fear and trepidation, I'm doing so with hope as well because I know how important this topic is to our spiritual lives and I want us to have the opportunity to ponder over it. You don't have to change your minds. You don't have to... Immediately say, No, okay, I can let go of all that I knew. All I ask is for you to keep an open mind and to allow the Spirit of God to guide you. So remember, atonement means at one month. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we are made at one with God. Now, that is the big picture. Okay. So, what are some of our problems with the penal substitution theory? Firstly, it misrepresents God's character and desires. You see, this theory is basically saying that God cannot forgive unless there is a sacrifice. The problem is when we say God cannot, it doesn't matter what we say after that, right? We have now created a larger, more powerful God that sits above God and gives God rules that God has to follow. God cannot and more importantly, if you read the Bible carefully, God never even liked blood sacrifices. Right? As David recognized in the book of Psalms, in Psalms 51 verse 17, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. And here we see that regardless of the sacrificial system prescribed by the law of Moses, God took no delight or pleasure in sacrifices. God actually didn't want them. In Hosea 6.6, it says, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. The penal substitution metaphor of the atonement necessitates a blood sacrifice be offered to God. But only a sinless one would do, and therefore we have Jesus, right? However, when we look at Scripture, we see that God didn't even like sacrifices to begin with. And God took no pleasure in the system. And to compound that, God also detested human sacrifice. Furthermore, in the book of Matthew, we see consistency. Even Jesus, he confronted the religious leaders and he tells them in Matthew 9 verse 13, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Go and learn what this means. So even Jesus affirmed that sacrifice was not something God desired. The second issue we have is that it's based on a medieval retributive notion of justice. When we say God's wrath cannot be appeased unless there is a blood sacrifice, we are actually implying that God the Father was petty, offended in the way that humans are and unfree to love and forgive of God's own volition. And this is not a very trustworthy image of God. Steve Chalk and Ellen Mann said, the fact is that the cross isn't a form of cosmic child abuse. A vengeful father punishing his son for an offence he has not even committed Deeper than that, however, is that such a concept stands in total contradiction to the statement God is love. If the cross is a personal act of violence perpetrated by God toward humankind but born by His Son, then it makes a mockery of Jesus' own teaching to love your enemies and to refuse to repay evil with evil. Right? It's a direct contradiction to God's nature and character. The third issue we have is that salvation became a one-time transactional affair between Jesus and God. Okay, you do this, okay, salvation happens, right? Instead of an ongoing transformational lesson for the human soul and for all of history, Richard Ross says, I believe Jesus' death on the cross is a revelation of the infinite and participatory love of God not some bloody payment required by God's offended justice to rectify the problem of sin such a storyline is way too small, way too problem oriented salvation is meant to be an ongoing transformational lesson for us not a one time transactional affair (sighs) you can take a breath After grappling with the many theories of atonement, theologians realized this one thing. They realized that whatever was happening on the cross cannot be about changing God's attitude towards us. God is love, always, from beginning to the end. The cross must be about changing something in us, not in God. And I think... We need an alternative story of atonement that is aligned with the character of an all-loving, non-violent God who operates on the basis of love and a restorative notion of justice. So, I'm going to share with you another theory, a more recent theory. And I'm not saying it's, that the, it's the perfect theory, but something to give us a food for thought. Okay, something to add on to our knowledge of the many different theories of the cross. And it's called The Scapegoat Mechanism by Rene Girard. And in this theory, God has always been able to forgive. That was never the issue. God is God. But God has gifted humanity with certain rituals and practices so that we might know that we are forgiven practices that hopefully we will eventually be able to leave behind. As we saw earlier in Psalms, Hosea and Matthew, God does not desire sacrifice, but mercy and acknowledgement of God. The problem is, we, not God, have a tendency to need a scapegoat to bear the blame for our sinfulness. We are the ones that need to see the shedding of blood not God. And maybe God wanted to put an end to the entire system of law that demanded such a thing and knew that it would take a drastic scapegoat, in other words, the Lamb of God, for us to see how broken and unnecessary such a system was. You see, we humans tend to blame or scapegoat others rather than acknowledging our own weaknesses, imperfections and negativity, right? That happened right at the beginning in Genesis when Adam immediately pointed to Eve, right? When something happened. On the cross, we finally see our scapegoating for what it is. And we have nowhere to turn to justify this. The cross didn't change God's mind about us. It opened our eyes to finally see God revealed in the self-giving love of Jesus. And it shows us all the ways that we have mistreated Scapegoated, and even used violence on others. Theologian Jennifer Garcia bashaw said The Jesus who saved women from society shaming was himself publicly shamed, stripped naked, and despised. The Jesus who healed sick and disabled bodies became disabled himself. Flesh pierced and torn, weakened and held captive by nails and his failing body. The Jesus who identified with the poor and taught his followers sacrifice suffers like the poor and oppressed as he dies the death reserved for the lowliest of criminals. The Jesus who changed outsiders into insiders was pushed to the very edge of humanity, ridiculed by strangers, dehumanized. You see, Jesus becomes the scapegoat to end all scapegoats, exposing the truth that could end human blame and violence once and for all. Because of Jesus, we no longer need to blame anyone. Atonement is not just an idea, but it helps shape us into people who live, look and act like Jesus. So the question is, does our trust In the at-one-ment, make us more like the Jesus we follow. If your understanding of the cross doesn't draw you to become more Jesus-like, then it's time to think a little deeper about what you believe and why you believe that. So I want to go back to the quote that I shared with you at the beginning: Jesus did not come to change God's mind about humanity. It did not need changing. Jesus came to change the mind of humanity about God, about ourselves, about where goodness and evil really lie. And he continues to say, what is revealed in our human inclination to kill others in any multitude of ways, right? Not just physically, right? Sometimes verbally. Instead of dying to ourselves, to our illusions, pretenses, narcissism, and self-defeating behaviours, Jesus dies for us not in the sense of a substitute for us, but in solidarity with the suffering of all humanity since the beginning of time. The first is merely a heavenly transaction of sorts. The second is a transformation of our very soul and the trajectory of history. And so with that in mind, I want to just read to you Philippians 2, verse 1 to 11. A very familiar passage. But I want you to just take that in, right? Just to listen to it. If then there's any comfort in Christ, any consolation from love, any partnership in the Spirit, any tender affection and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, Being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each one of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself taking the form of a slave, assuming human likeness. And being formed in appearance as a human, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him even more highly and gave him the name that is birth every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the Jesus we love and follow. This is the Jesus who died on the cross for us. Bashar says, We Christ followers who claim that the life and teaching of Jesus lay at the center of our faith have often aligned ourselves with the powers who scapegoat instead of the ones who champion and liberate society's victims. This grievous betrayal is what truly makes us sinners in need of salvation. Jesus' work on the cross then does not save us from God's wrath or Satan's control. It saves us from ourselves, freeing us from enslavement to scapegoating powers. This salvation, this freedom demands our participation We confess our complicity in the kind of scapegoating that made Jesus a victim, acknowledging that our theology and practices continue to create scapegoats even today. The goal of our redemption and sanctification is to move from identification with those who crucified Jesus to inclusion of those to whom Jesus ministered. So let me ask you, after we went through all the different things about atonement today, and I know that it is kind of just scraping the surface, right? Because, you know, we have limited time, and I would love to talk with you a little bit more about it. What did you learn about atonement today that moved your mind or heart? And I just wanted to give you this time to reflect a little bit, alright? And also to be honest and authentic if what you heard today upset you, if what you heard today shifted your mind a little bit but in a way that's not been helpful, please feel free to share as well. I want to know. I understand. If it's not familiar, but I want to invite you to be open to think, to take this time to ponder a little bit did you learn anything new today about atonement that you didn't know before? Did God move your heart in some way, shift your mind in some way? Being at oneself, mm-hmm. at onement you mean? Not about honor or retribution. Mm-hmm. Jesus took away the shame from my heart. My inability to forgive myself. Thank you. No, thank you for sharing that. I love that. It was cool to see how the different theories were influenced by their historical context. Thank you. I'm glad you could see that because I was hoping to kind of bring you through history a little bit so you can see how everything kind of works together. I'm more accepting of suffering in this life and want to embrace it like Jesus did and have it compel me to live my life out. Thank you. That no one human theory is expansive enough to capture God's boundless love. Yes! Thank you for that. That's a beautiful reflection, right? And that was actually one of my biggest reflections going to seminary. That theologians can debate over many, many things for centuries, but no one theory can truly capture everything about God's thoughts and ways and God's boundless love. At one with God, Regardless of the mechanisms, the intended outcome is to be more Christ-like and participate in the justice of God, yes, which is to bring God's restoration of beauty to chaos on earth. Amen. It comforted me because it reassured me that God is indeed all-loving. The conventional account paints a vengeful God which is unsatisfying. Thank you. It shifted my perspective of why Jesus died on the cross, not to pay for our sins but instead to show us how flawed our thinking and system is. Yes. This is definitely more in line with God as love, yes. It confirmed my existing doubts about the common interpretation of atonement and how it reflects God's character. Mm -hmm. Our bias as humans often mislead us to our own interpretation, but we should be open to what God is like, yes. I can now imagine that demonstrating ultimate solidarity with humankind and our mess and suffering is the greatest act of love God could show. And that God is not an angry judge, but a grieving parent. Thank you. That is beautiful. What is the change of heart or mind that I need? That's a good question, right, to take with us. Um, could you just screw up? Shifting from contradictory notion that Jesus needs to satisfy God's wrath, that God is wrathful, right? That, that was the image that many of us probably grew up with. God is greater than our understanding models, not theories. That God's love is unchanging, but conflicted in the idea of justice, righteousness, sacrifices portrayed in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, understandably. And hopefully one day we can do a more extensive Bible study on that. The idea of Jesus suffering the results of the very sins He healed others from to the point of death. That God desires mercy, not sacrifice. I've read it in the Bible, but never registered. Thanks. That That Jesus was a model to capture how we can be today on this earth, bringing the supernatural to the natural. Yes. I'm reminded that Jesus, God always loves me and therefore I should be kinder to myself, yes. Atonement is more about transforming us to be more like God than transforming God to forgive us, absolutely. Does not change the fact that Christ and God embodied in human form, yes. God is not self-satisfying but rather looking to understand us and satisfy our need. The shift from judging to including the downtrodden, those at the fringe and each other, yes changing ourselves to put ourselves in the shoes of those who are marginalized by society and extend our love for God towards all who need this comfort of God. Atonement is not about compensating, not an eye for an eye, but to understand love and be generous with it. At one with God, with Jesus Christ, God at one with us through Jesus, yes. It has validated what I believed all this while, that we Christians should stop siding with our oppressors and fight against them, stop supporting (laughs) Russia, China, dictators, society and what? and the far right Mm. it could be one interpretation of it Yes, I'm still skeptical what about Paul's writing, was he wrong? we can talk more about this what I believe about atonement equals what I believe about God's character more questions about what God's love is and how he has shown it across history what about God asking Abraham to sacrifice Isaac very good question And I hope that we can take a lot of these questions further, right, and deeper um, along the way, okay? Um, But thank you for your questions, for your reflections. They are so profound and beautiful, and I'm, I'm so grateful. Thank you. So in Christian theology, to sum up all that you are saying, atonement is all about reconciling, the reuniting, the uniting of God and humankind through Jesus Christ at one And so may we grow to understand the depth and beauty of this at one that God has initiated on our behalf. May our understanding of atonement expand our faith and deepen our lived experience that God is love, both now and always. Amen.
5: We gather each Sunday at this table even though at this time we are not all physically together The table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries So this table recognizes no boundaries Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table This means you do not have to meet any criteria You do not have to be a member of FCC You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. We are your people, God, called together in your love. We are your children, mother, called around the table of your word. We are your disciples, Lord, called to praise and give you thanks.
0: We thank you, good and gracious God, 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 for calling calling us us to to be be your people. people. for giving giving us us eyes eyes to see, see, ears to hear, hear, and hands to touch and bless our world.
5: Even as your people, God, we are separated from ourselves, each other, and you, the creator of life. Let us confess confess our brokenness. As As people
0: caught in our our tradition, tradition, we we confess confess that we have helped perpetuate systems that deny the dignity and sacred worth of all sorts and conditions of persons. We have paid lip service to equality. Our lives are based on discrimination of the other. We have been our own worst enemies. We have failed ourselves, others, and we have failed you, God. Moved by your power, we accuse ourselves because we have not allowed you to form us as a new people. We confess our our sin, sin and and we pledge pledge to work work for reconciliation with with one one another.
5: We thank you, gracious God, for forgiveness and the chance to start again. We thank you, gracious God, for the gift of your Spirit given to us in Jesus, in whom we are freed from the past and its oppression, in whom the gift is complete gracious God, you are the mother of creation and the father of all life. We are gathered as your people to thank you for your blessings, to receive your mercy and forgiveness, and to remember how Jesus died for us, accepting that to show his love for us and for you.
0: We remember remember how Jesus Jesus came to us, us, becoming one one of of us, born born like us, of flesh and blood and and bone. bone a fully human person like Like us us, in all things things but sin. sin. We We remember how on the night before before Jesus died, he He gathered with his friends for one last meal.
5: Siblings, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more, ever. Anyone eating this bread will not die, ever. This is my body, broken for you, take, eat, remember me. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. When you are joined with me and I with you, the harvest is sure to be abundant. I love you as I have been loved. Abide in my love. This is my blood shed for you. Take, drink, remember me. I invite the stewards to come for the elements Is there anyone who has not received the elements yet? Jesus, you are always Always present present in in our our midst. midst. You You come come to us us simply, simply, lovingly,
0: lovingly, humbly, humbly, in in word and and sacrament, in this bread and wine, and and in the love we share with with one another. another.
5: Let us eat and drink of this bread and wine, remembering Jesus, his teaching, his life, his suffering, his death, and his rising to new life. I invite everyone to stand as they are willing and able, in body or in spirit. Gracious and loving God, you have made us one in the body of Christ. And nourish us at your table with holy food and drink. Thank,
0: Thank you, you for feeding our hunger, hunger and relieving and our thirst. With, with deep, deep gratitude, gratitude we, we offer you our, our lives, our love, ourselves. Gathered by in Jesus, Jesus in your life giving spirit. May, May we become, become a new people, people, wholly pleasing to you, a people, people giving glory to your name. Amen. Amen. Hi, so welcome again to the Sunday service of Free Community Church, where free stands for First Realize Everyone's Equal. FCC is an inclusive church. That means you're welcome here regardless of your sexual orientation, your gender identity, your theological background, economic status, or any of the labels the world puts on you. Uh, And to those of you who worship with us regularly and to those of you watching online or even joining us for the first time, welcome home. My name is David. I'm the service leader for today. And wow, wasn't that an amazing sermon? I was like, wow, really blown away. And I think it puts a different spin on communion that we celebrate every week. Because when I hold that cup, I usually think of blood in the sense of death. Like it, it conjures the images of cattle being slaughtered and Jesus sort of being that lamb. But I think after listening to Pauline's sermon, I think actually I started to think of the blood as life. The same blood that runs in my veins. Ran in Jesus' veins because Jesus, who was God, became human to show solidarity with us. And and we focus so much on the death of Jesus, like those three days, right? Because we think of this cosmic transaction. But when now hearing Pauline's sermon, it's actually just as much about the whole life of Jesus, like how Jesus was showing us that God is with us in the midst of our mess, our dirtiness. You know, God is with us and still with us today. Right, that God's Spirit is dwelling in us even as we sit here and as we go forth from here. So I, I just thought, wow, this is the kind of church that we can go to where we can ask questions and propose different kinds of theological theories that you probably won't hear anywhere else in Singapore. So I hope that um, is also uh, great for you as well. Uh, so if you're new with us, uh, we do have uh, a QR code you can scan, or you can go to fcclee slash welcome. You can leave your details, and one of our staff or pastors will reach out to you, find out how we can better serve your needs. And we have a newcomers meeting at the last Sunday of every month, so that will be coming up on the 24th September. It's right after the service, and if you're interested, you can email info at freecomchurch.org. It'll be a very short meeting. It's just a chance for you to meet some of our leaders, pastors, Find out more about our history and our theology and how you can get plugged in. Uh, we also have a financial update because it 's the uh, end of last month. Um, unfortunately, the news is not good okay so that we 've come uh, two thirds through the way through the year, and uh, we 're supposed to be at sixty six percent but we 're only about fifty eight percent for the general fund, which is uh, to pay our salaries and our staff salaries and our expenses. And the building fund, which goes to pay for the mortgage on this property, is also at around 60%. So we're now 6% behind, and we still have one-third of the year to go. So again, for those of you who consider this your church home, um, there is, we have no other means of support other than all of you, so we do rely on your generosity to support our mission and to continue bringing this um, challenging and progressive theology to, to Singapore. And now, if you are a regular giver, and you are still doing your QR code every week, uh, I recommend that you would set up a direct debit or standing instruction with your bank. And our two uh, account numbers are up there so you can take a picture of that if you haven't already done so. Because I think this would not only make it easier for you, it's one less thing you have to do every Sunday, but it also makes it easier for us that we can um, sort of have a more stable cash flow because I, I think you can see in our giving, it sort of kind of goes up and goes down every week. So it's very hard for us to plan uh, in advance programs and how much we can budget. So we do really appreciate that if you're a member or a regular giver. And there's two ways you can give. You can sca- uh, give by pay now by scanning the two uh, QR codes for building fund and general fund, or you can give by credit card at FreeComChurch.Give.ASIA. That only goes to the general fund, and there's a 1.5% platform fee but we're grateful for giving in any form. So now please join me as we pray for the offering. Dear God, we thank you for your love that was shown through the life and death of Jesus, that great love that did not allow us to just go off into our own and uh, live in our own mess, but you came into the messiness of this world to demonstrate just how great your love for us is and continues to be. And Lord, we thank you that you've sustained this church for almost 20 years through the generosity of uh, the people in this congregation and our friends. And we pray for your continued sustenance for this church, that we can be your hands, your feet, your love, and your grace in the world. Lord, bless this offering and bless all those who give. May you help us to use it wisely for the furtherance of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. So may I invite the stewards to come forward and collect the offering. And if you're here on site and you would like to drop some cash into the bag, please raise your hand and the stewards will come to you. So as they're going around, we have a few announcements. Actually, today there's very few announcements, so that's good news. There's only one announcement, and that's it's lunch khakis. So if you are a uh, visitor to the church, you're new, and you don't know a lot of people yet, then we have people who are designated to meet you and take you out for lunch at our local uh, hawker center. And I think today's lunch keys is Chua and Daniel, and they're standing at the back, so they're raising their hands now. So if you would like to have a friend to have lunch with, look for them after the service. And now I'll invite Pastor Miak to give the benediction.
3: may I invite you to stand in body or in spirit and receive the benediction. Know that wherever you are on your journey, God's goodness is always running after you. Whether it is walking through the valley of the shadow of death or lying green pastures, there's one constant that we know and that is God's love. And God loves you. So go. Go trusting in this love. Go anchor in this love. So that you will be transformed from within. So that you may grow more and more into the likeness of this God who is love. And becoming that transformed presence transform the world. Bring God's love God's justice, and God's peace to all corners where you will go in all aspects of your life because God is not divided. We are not divided. So go and may each step of the way you grow more into that likeness. And when people see you, and see the work that you do, and see who you are, they know that the God that you follow. Go always in the name of the one who died and rose again. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for joining us this Sunday. Have a good week ahead. We look forward to seeing you again next week.